everybody to another episode of prep yourself with danny nelson and i'm alexis holzer we're getting crazy today i'm so crazy we're having tea yeah (laughs) (laughs) that really set the tone right there (laughs) uh you haven't been feeling that well so i think much i think you're hot toddy which by the way you got a hot toddy i got just tea uh it's maple tea (laughs) That's good stuff. I mean... Could have gotten some Canadian club in there. (laughs) Yeah. I would have taken anything. Mike's the worst. (laughs) And also, Mike, Prince of the Podcast, not only made us the tea, but also delivered them with a baby on one hip and then, like, multiple mugs of tea. Like, it was pretty good. He's the modern man. He is the modern man. He's Mr. Mom (laughs) right there. Doing Uh, it all. Mr. Mom went to the Seahawks game today, so thanks for the tea. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Bad game. Let's not talk about it. Uh, did you, uh, with being sick, was there anything preparedness-wise that you were like, oh my gosh, I need to make sure I have cough drops or what was the thing that you're like, I gotta uh, have this? All of my medicine was expired. <laughs> that like, was really sad. Like how long expired? Um, between three and three years and <gasps> three months. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure that's going to happen to me now. I'm going to go home and try and yeah. open up the cabinet. Everybody right now, here's a really quick way to declutter your life. Just get rid of all that shit in your medicine cabinet that's no good. <laughs> just because that just don't eat it. I ha- I tried one like Theraflu packet that was about maybe a year and a half old, maybe a year. <laughs> and I was like, it's medicine. It doesn't go bad. And I made it and I took one taste. I was like, this is not good. It tasted like musty and oh gross. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I was like, mm, this is not helpful. It was actually going into like degraded. Yeah. It was yeah. way like several half-lives gone. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad yeah. that you survived that. Yeah, thanks. So, um, I, I like, I'm not over it. So if this is really poorly edited, it's because <laughs> <coughs> thought about bringing a pillow to cough into. Oh, and then you could just like partially every time I'm going on and on, I'll you can just start suffocating. See, I was thinking you would suffocate yourself. <laughs> you want to live? We're just, just spending my time on the podcast, <laughs> Just like a little suffocation, not like a lot. I still need we you to need make to good know jokes. About your suffocation habits. Oh, oh whoa! No, no, she didn't. <laughs> Whoa, that's for a different episode on a podcast that's not this one. I like this one. <laughs> Other than that your medicine was expired, which I'm really glad that you brought that up so that I can clear out, declutter my life Tis in that way. Season. Uh, was there a thing that you were like, this was the most helpful of all the remedies that I took? Um, I'm more of like a, a Zycam, hot toddy, Tylenol kind of cold treater. Yep. But... So a lot of people are like, well, did you get the flu shot? And I'm like, yes, I got the flu shot. And they're like, well, people who get the flu shot get sick. And I'm like, just don't think that's right. But I was thinking about it, and I was like, well, what I should have done was gotten the flu shot like on a Friday and then spent the weekend inside, not around nasty, dirty people who don't get the shot or right. like don't are sick. 
Because you get the shot and it decreases your immune system. Right. And so I just should have gotten that. Because it's battling it. Yeah. The recommendation should be, hey, go home and chill out. Don't overextend yourself. Don't touch stuff. Don't go to work and touch your nasty coworkers. No, I love them all. (laughs) (laughs) I probably Uh, got them sick, so that's no good. And also flu shots, from my understanding, whether you get sick or not, are less for us as people who are in the range of people who are less yeah. least likely to die from it. Right. So it's, I got sick for a couple of days. I didn't die like an elderly yeah. person who but couldn't. You get deal sick with it. one time for a couple of days, not like pneumonia. Pneumonia that you then carry out into public and are handing off to people in a much more severe way. Yeah. You know? So good it's, thing I handed out candy on Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> Did you touch it though? I mean, you no, let them I was really it. careful, like, open the bag and then just put it in there, and I wasn't, like, touching the candy and giving it to kids. Okay. No, we no, might no. as well talk about Halloween right this second since okay. you brought it up. Sure. <laughs> okay. <laughs> First of all, I am a hold out the—we have, like, a little fake cauldron thing. Hold it out. Let them take as many pieces as they want. Even while their parents are like, just take one. I'm whispering, like, take as much as you want. <laughs> Uh, in our household, we believe in saying, hello, trick or treat. How are you this evening? May I have a piece of candy? And we say, yes, you may have one piece of candy. And they say, thank you so much. Happy Halloween. And they skip away. So That's how every child was at my house. Apparently, you, you live in the neighborhood in a wrinkle in time. Super creepy. I got reprimanded. Leaf got mad because we we had four giant bags of candy. Uh-huh. Like literally we did not. it was overflowing. And he was like, We're not gonna have enough candy for people, kids. And I'm like, Yeah, but you just turn off your porch light. If uh-huh. you're out of candy, you're just like, I'm out of candy. Yeah. He was uh, he was worried about his reserve quotient. Yeah, his leftovers. Like I he, think he called it. He both wants there to be a bunch of candy, and also for him, but also wants to be popular when kids come over. Well, I don't know why he thinks your house is going to be popular because <laughs> two words: Neko wafers. <laughs> oh, why? Okay. This is the one place where I think, like, our relationships intersect. Like, Danny and Lee, very different relationship than Lex and Mike. For sure. But the fact that our partners enjoy Necco wafers and believe that neighborhood children also would enjoy them is just, like, on another plane of what the hell. What the hell? No. And also, what were you, born a 75-year-old? Yeah. Like... Next thing, it's going to be like butterscotches mm-hmm. or something. And they both believe in one piece of candy per kid. So they really are like, get off my lawn. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's so stingy. Yeah. Like, give them all the candy that they want. That's what they do. It's cool. They're going to go home. They're yeah. going to eat too much of it. They're going to hide some under their pillow. Some of it will be three years <laughs> later. They'll find it. It's cool. Like, that's With part of it. It's part of childhood. But if any candy is going to survive, like an apocalyptical situation, mm-hmm. nuclear war, mm-hmm. like whatever the world ha- has to throw at us, it's going to be Necco wafers. Yeah. So we went to Costco and bought a box of Necco wafers. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> We're going to barter it. But they like made like one batch in 1847. Yeah. And now I've been doling it out They're to like, children every oh since. Oh my God, we made way too much. 
Yeah, I think that they. Yeah, I think they made like one batch, and it's taken this, this many years wow. to get them into over a hundred years. <laughs> Slightly, 170 <laughs> years, <laughs> 170 years of Necco wafers. <laughs> I'm kind of sad that they've stood the test of time. 170 yeah. years they've been making Necco wafers. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, they're the original Tums. I bet. Yeah, <laughs> I love Tums. <laughs> <laughs> those are not expired in my cabinet because I eat those all the time. <laughs> Always a fresh can of those. <laughs> So other than Halloween happening, right after we talked last time, the great shakeout happened. Yeah. Do you want to talk about your experience first? Sure. Um, I was at work. It was, uh, so this was October 19th, and they do this drill nationwide at 10, 19 a.m. in the morning. And it's approaching. It's on my work calendar. I have a meeting like at 10.30, so I'm like, okay, this is perfect. It'll be at 10.19, then I'll have time to get to my meeting. And 1019 came around and nothing happened. And I was like, oh, I thought our, our work was going to do something. And so I was like, okay, well, hey, Mike, and that's my coworker's name. Can you take a picture of me under my desk? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I am observing Great Shakeout Day. And my other coworker's like, what are you doing? Of course, they know I'm a weirdo. And so there's a picture of me like with my go bag under my desk holding on. And I get out and then they come over the PA and they're like, attention, attention, we are participating in the National Great Shakeout. Please get under your desk and hold on to something. And so they went through this whole big, like, minute and a half spiel about earthquake preparedness or, like, what to do in an earthquake at the building and what you would do, like, after it stopped shaking. And so then my coworkers got under their desks and everyone was like, this is so fun. <laughs> I thought I was filming the whole thing, and I wasn't. They're like, they're like, Lex, oh, you thought you were filming? It was pretty sad. Oh, no. Yeah, it was great. I was very proud of my work for participating and not just being like, get under your desk now. I was like, it was total PSA. Nice. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I had a special off-site retreat uh, the day that uh, that was happening. So I also sent a picture and put it on Facebook. under our page where uh, the ladies that I work with and one person from HR that was there meeting with us too to do a good old mission statement exercise. I love those retreats. Um, I really do. They at 1019, I played the great shakeout has its own website where you can like sign up your business and stuff, which we talked briefly about last time. It's not too early to sign up next year. You can sign up for next year. It's never too early to get prepared. Never too early. But they have recordings that uh, also include like rumbling sounds that are like, this is the great shakeout. They're like, for the next one minute, there will be like, you should be underneath a, you know, table. Or whatever. It, I love it. It tells you the. It kind of walks you through the whole step. The voice is very soothing. Uh huh. The shaking noises is not. It really made my coworkers <laughs> nervous. <laughs> and That's then so I took funny. a selfie with them. Yeah, it's a great picture of you guys. I'm looking at it now. You're all like, we did it. <laughs> We're under a desk. Uh, Rebecca Hansen under my desk at work. She's all happy about it too. We're all like smiling, <laughs> except for Jessica. <laughs> Who's under, trying to get under in our office, in our prep yourself office with Lulu Don't Care, who clearly doesn't care. You can go and look at these photos on our website. 
I just want you to know that when Lex says our prep yourself office, it is actually Jessica's real office. <laughs> we just record here sometimes. Well, it's in my house, so I, I can call it my office. No, it is her office. I love the picture, though. Thank you, Jessica, yeah, for letting so me Yeah, so thanks for desk. participating, everybody. Yep. It's it's always awesome to it, be prepared. It's really cool. I did the day before. Uh, so I was supposed to have had a meeting with the, uh, the other office that works in the same building with me mm-hmm. the week before, but then it had to be moved to, it was essentially the day before the shakeout. And when I went to go talk with her, I'm like, hey, you're not going to be able to get 100 some odd people involved with this at this point, but we should talk about what you know you are doing as far as earthquake safety goes for the office and then maybe you can do an activity with HR where you just go and look for hazards that could be easily fixed Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and she had a great example immediately she's like yeah just talking about this right now I know that there is a like one of those giant paper cutters that's on a shelf that sits right over this girl's head in one of the rooms and she left that meeting and went and moved the paper cutter (laughs) on the shelf (laughs) I love it. And I'm like, if I got one thing to happen today, it was that. You help someone not get bludgeoned get, to death yeah, with a paper Decapitated, cutter. I was thinking. <laughs> yeah, they probably would like, Is that an earthquake? <laughs> <laughs> that would be terrible. I don't Sad. want that to happen. So, yeah, I felt really good about the great shakeout. I thought it was really funny. I giggled a lot. Yeah, like, th- of course. I felt like I was back at school and mm-hmm. all that stuff. That's it was good. good. It's good stuff. Also was like, oh, I'm not appropriately dressed for crawling around on the floor and then squishing <laughs> under a small meeting table. With that's people. why I don't wear high heels and mini skirts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the reason. Number one. Number one. So that all happened. And then just mere days later. Yeah, we had a knot simulation down in Portland. So I went down to Portland to visit my family and take Lily down for a little pre-one-year-old birthday party. And a double baby shower for our two best friends, Kim that and Molly, who like are a sisters, having boys a month apart. I'm like, this is crazy. So we're winding down the baby shower, and the power goes out. And we're like, what? I was like, someone drying their hair. Of course, no one's drying their hair. That was just me being clever at the moment. <laughs> um And so it was really funny because we had had multiple power outages growing up and we lived next door to each other. And so they would always come over and we would like pretend to camp out in the living room. It was like really great family memories of, you know, getting the candles out and all this. That's so cool. So we had a glass of wine and, you know, just talked about old times, which is really fun. that what you did when you were little too? Like, oh, we get wine when the power's out. I was constantly flipping (laughs) the breaker. (laughs) (laughs) Give me some booze. Your mom's like, you're only eight. You can't have it. You're like, what about a wine cooler? That's different. Right? Spritzer. I'll take anything. Um, We had boxed wine growing up. (laughs) Franzia. My mom was Franzia, 100%. I love Franzia. So that lasted for about an hour and a half. And then, um, you know, just power kept being out. We're like, okay, well, when's it happening? So I was like, well, you know, I think we could find this out. So I went on the PG and found that it wasn't going to be on until 10. So I had never done that before. I thought that was kind of cool. So when your power goes out, I don't know if you ever do this, like look online to your power provider, 
I guess, city of Seattle yep. light here. Would that be it? Yep. And then they have estimations about when your power will be back on, how many people are without power, what the current status is. So nice. that was good. Until we checked again, it was like, oh, we meant one thirty in the morning. We're like, okay, great. So <laughs> it was first what we did because I had Lily there and I had put her down to uh, sleep. I wanted to make sure all the lights were off so it wouldn't be like one in the morning and, oh, power's back on. <laughs> so that was one thing we did. Um, but then my parents like didn't know where their stuff was. Like They have these lanterns, um, battery-powered lanterns, headlamps, all this, but it was kind of in all these different places. And so took a number, it took an amount of time to go around and find that stuff so we could actually get around the house because by then it was dark and we couldn't really see. Um, you could use your cell phone flashlight, but we found that that started going out pretty quickly. Right. And they didn't have, like, battery packs. Um, oh, for backup. Yeah. Or, you know, at that point it wouldn't have made any difference. But solar panels, so... Hold on, you didn't have your little stove with you so that you could burn some pellets? I didn't pellets? travel with my BioLite. <laughs> I regret it. But that's a good point. It, it, in my head, I was like, well, what do I have in my car? And I was like, I don't... You know, this was the last day, so I was already running out of diapers, too. And I was like, well, I have some diapers in my car. That'll get me a little bit further if I, I don't know, in the middle of the night. I guess it has nothing to do with power. But it was just, like, in general preparedness Just stuff. going through what you have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We had this talk about, so what should we have in our go bag or our prep kit here at home? And I was like, well, you need food. You need water. My dad had gone to Costco and bought a flat of baked beans. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Baked beans are delicious. Yeah. But it's like all? That's the only backup food you've got? It's, it's like it is. It's like he watched like an old school like black and white military movie once and all they did was eat beans the yeah. whole time. And he's like, yeah. With people who survived the apocalypse are bean eaters. Mm-hmm. That little metal crappy can opener. Yep. <laughs> cutting yourself. So I was like, well, maybe some other food. But then, of course, there was an issue with the refrigerator, and I'm an idiot, and I kept opening it to be like, oh, I need to get something for Lily. And they're like, don't open the refrigerator. I'm like, damn it. And I did that to the freezer. And so I was like, we just need to put tape over it. So I was like, that's something that I will do when the power goes out here. I'm going to put tape across it. Don't open it. So food, water. They have like an old camping purifier, but don't have like a lot of water on hand, like two, two and a half gallon things. So I was like, you guys need to get some more water. Yep. Um, you know, we talked about first aid, like they take medications. What would they do if they couldn't get out to get them for a while? So that sounds like something that they're going to start stocking up on. Communications device, again, like the battery pack for your cell phone or some sort of radio. I mean, in the moment, this wasn't what we needed. It wasn't so dire. Right. But this is just like the bigger conversation. Right. And I was like, because they were like, what's the top five things? And I was like, oh, I'm an expert. I should know this. But I rattled those off and I was like, well, what's number five? And I was like, PMA. You guys like need to get some PMA. There was a little like conflict and my mom like being mad about the baked beans and all this. And I was like, PMA, you guys, you need to have a plan first so you can agree on what you're going to do if the disaster is more dire. What if someone's not home? You know, all of these different scenarios. And you need to have a plan like an agreement as a you know, couple or a family, whoever it is, like, what are you going to do if that plan doesn't go right? Because I could see how, you know, in that situation, all of a sudden you're thrown into it and For sure. you kind of can't think straight and you don't often treat people yep. right um, or you so think you're right or, or all this. Right. Or you're just having an emotional reaction. You're yeah. not purposely doing anything to anyone not. else. It's just your own stress is really high. And so then you're yeah. saying whatnot. Mm-hmm. 
It, yeah, it would be great if we could just, you know, if people as part of their plan established, like, when the time comes for problem solving, you're only allowed to bring ideas, not criticize ideas. Mm-hmm. Like, if you if it's not an idea you like, then you need to present a new idea mm-hmm. kind of thing. I think that always works well in yeah. problem solving scenarios, but that's so hard to do when you're stressed. Mm-hmm. Or some plan of, like, every, you know, for the first two days, say, every hour, as it makes sense, um, you know, during these times, we should all check in with each other and say, like, is everyone okay? You know, having moments where you can come together and reassess and like the um, radio operators were doing every half hour, they get the new messages, and then they take that information and process it and make new recommendations and messages out. So yeah, it was a, a fun little time to reminisce and be nostalgic. <laughs> it was a good and, drill. And, uh, and also to have some wine. Yep, have a little drill. <laughs> and be like, I'm trying to make something good happen, but mostly all I can do is drink this wine. Yeah. My parents have some really cool old oil lanterns that I thought were really Ooh. nice. Gave off a nice light. <laughs> but the next day, their ice um, dispenser was completely frozen solid. So it reminded me I need to do that. Because it melted and then... Yeah. yeah. Probably because my dumbass opened the refrigerator or the well, freezer door. because you open the refrigerator I and mean, eventually it just isn't cold enough yeah. in there to keep it cold. I would say it went off about 5.30 and came on maybe at like 1.30 in the morning. Would you empty out your ice thing? I don't know. We don't know the answers to anything. We don't know. Tell us. <laughs> Somebody tell us how to do stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah, what food can you eat without cooking? What's going to work without electricity? Like just some things to... Just think about around here. Like, does your water heater work without electricity? Does your stove work without electricity? You know, they have a gas stove, so we could have turned on the gas and lit it with a match. Right. And cooked that way, which I think we did. I made some pasta. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. You're like, I'm going to take my PMA over here and make us some dinner Mm -hmm. with this beautiful oil lamp light. I think that's interesting, too, to think about, too, are the things that you have, things that can be burned inside as opposed to things that have to stay outside. So like heaters and things like that mm-hmm. where you might have to um, – like this week we had snow here in Seattle. Twice. Twice it snowed. Mm-hmm. It's November at the very beginning of November. And as we learned briefly in episode 13 with Matt, the in the Seattle preparedness guidelines that they put together, the Shiva, the second – uh, most likely disaster to be dealt with or biggest disaster. I'm using air quotes because you can see those on the <laughs> podcast. I see, I'm just uh, <laughs> uh, the, it could cause the most, you know, interruption kind of to people's lives is number two. So it's earthquakes and then uh, winter storms. Mm-hmm. So I thought that that was really cool and is something that we are going to go in depth with in another episode. But one of the things that just basic preparedness wise, it's so similar to all the things we talk about all the time, like have a communication plan, mm-hmm. have a an understanding of how you're going to get home if weather is severe, have uh, food at home, have water at home, mm-hmm. have medicines at home, but also have a shovel. Yeah. I gave Mike so much crap for buying a snow shovel in Seattle. But from the northeast, you buy it, you shovel. When yep. it snows, you get up in the morning and you shovel. Right. And when it snows, we're one of the only houses on our block that has a safe sidewalk. Does <laughs> he gets out and shovels it so it doesn't melt and freeze and create a little skating rink in front of your house, aka 
you know, insurance claim. <laughs> I'm surprised that uh, just knowing Mike, the tiny bit that I know him, that when new neighbors move in, that he's not like giving them a snow shovel. It's his like, <laughs> his like, welcome to the neighborhood. Some people might give you a casserole. I've brought you the snow shovel. Use it or I'll kill you. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm watching, but <laughs> I am judging. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was those. And then when you talk about having something in your car, like being prepared in your car, I've known, I know so many people who've gotten stuck on like the roads going up to the to go skiing and mm-hmm. snowboarding and stuff just stuck in snowstorms for hours and hours and hours and what hours about and hours. when they announce that it's going to snow tonight and everybody leaves the office at two and drives home and we create a complete snowmageddon yep this happens in portland every year this happens in seattle every year have <laughs> <laughs> uh, your wits about you get your car ready yep if you're gonna even try to drive yep get snow chains get uh so Get yeah, so just chains. make sure you have stuff in your car. Uh, de-icer, like just having a little um, that mm-hmm. de-icing spray or a little bit of salt, like yeah. just in case you need to make traction, kind of in a to just get out of your driveway or into your driveway or whatever. Uh, one of the things I really liked, and we'll, we can put this up, uh, maybe even. Before you get to hear this episode, uh, there's just this really great... I've never liked WikiHow until I started trying to be a uh, very naive prepper. (laughs) And now I'm like, I love WikiHow. Just like one step at a time. You do this. There's funny pictures. It's great. But anyway, the... Uh, just making sure in your car it's that you also have warm clothes like even if it's just like a lap blanket that you have like over your seat Mm -hmm. just something so that if you get stuck in your car in a situation where you have to walk somewhere now like you like actually have to move just being prepared for that little part with your car but then at home all of the stuff we always talk about uh food the water the pma Mm -hmm. first aid first aid uh, some way to make light, like knowing where that is. But also making sure that all of your alarms have the batteries in them. Hmm, I what? liked that little part. Be- because the ba- the battery backup, so that if a fire starts while it's off, I just like that as a thing. As a reminder, like there's a reason that all of your alarm systems have battery backups. Oh, I thought you were talking about like... A morning alarm. No, no. fire alarm. Like I'm looking fire at you alarm. going, what? Carbon, is that? carbon monoxide. So I know what time it is? <laughs> what? Carbon monoxide alarm. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. But yes, also the chart, like having just a little power, <laughs> like it's so easy these days. Just ask for it for a Christmas present, a little battery backup mm-hmm. uh, for your phone. It's a really easy stocking stuffer thing. They're cheap. They're super cheap, and then just keep them charged. And so when you're in those situations, or if you're like me, I'm just like, oh, I'm going out for the day, and I'm going to take a bunch of photos, mm-hmm. so I'm going to have a battery backup. Great for backup. concerts. Yep. Yeah. For, great for con- so many concerts. Hey, I go to concerts. I'm cool. You do. You totally do. You, well, we've already established <laughs> that you're like a million times cooler than me. <laughs> I'm shaking my head in disbelief. Yeah. So we'll have another episode where we talk quite a bit about uh, winter storms and and that sort of thing. But today we're going to talk about disaster organizations. So interesting. (laughs) 
<laughs> so as our Keep media <laughs> as our media bit for disaster organizations, we originally wanted to go see Geostorm. Lex, tell us about what Geostorm is about. Just a summary. It's about a weather system that was implemented to help control the Earth's environment, um, help with energy production, everything that weather can help us with. We want to control it for good. And to prevent natural disasters, because natural disasters not only cost a lot of lives, but Mm -hmm. also cost a lot of money. Right. So... Um, But if you didn't already guess, that weather system goes horribly wrong. Or perhaps there is a political motivation behind it. Yeah, someone hijacked it. Um, We don't know. It has... Oh, my God, I'm blanking on his name. Uh, The gladiator. Yep. Russell Crowe. Yeah, no. No, it's not the gladiator. It's... um, Oh, it's the other guy. (sighs) Gerard Butler. Yes. 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 You're the anyway, it's got that guy. I don't know who else. Oh, um, Andy Garcia, who I actually like. Anyway, so we wanted to go see this because obviously it's about disaster and, you know, we can silently and vocally judge the characters on screen. <laughs> it came out on... We can enjoy some special effects. Yeah, so it came out on the 20th. I was gone in Portland. We were going to go Monday, I think. Right. Or the following Monday, the 30th. And because we have a lot of life obligations yes. between school activities, birthday Family. parties, stuff and things. Yes. Mostly my stuff. Uh, <laughs> so it's really my own fault. But uh, it was not in theaters. It is currently not in theaters. Two weeks later, it is not anywhere to be seen. We were going to go. There was no good time to go. The theater, we wanted to see it in 4D where it has like the rumble seats. So you're seeing Geostorm and... A hail is pelting, and your seat is shaking, and but that didn't I wanted happen. It and I wanted it so bad. I think it was there for one day, <laughs> opening day. It was so it was oh yeah it was so the full first week, and we couldn't go, and we went, and each movie theater that it was playing in only had two times for like it, four like ten during the day or ten thirty at night. That's horrible. the only time for you to see it. Yeah, and that's past my bedtime. <laughs> And we failed. We didn't get to see it. I feel like it's direct to DVD pretty much. So we're going to get direct DVD. We'll get it on DVD and watch it then and report back. Yep. I'm really disappointed in myself about it. I'm I'm not disappointed in us at all about it. I'm disappointed that people can't appreciate, like, a good, terrible movie. Yeah, maybe that's what I'm more mad about, that people didn't also go see it so it would stay in theater long enough for me to see it yeah exactly i mean i was busy but other people weren't busy right they could have been seeing it i know there were tons of people that wanted to see geostorm (laughs) they just got busy (laughs) (laughs) so yeah we i feel like we've had like a lot of episodes recently between since we've watched a dumb movie to talk about so we're going to change that next episode. Our goal is to definitely to get back on to watching terrible movies that we can tell you about. <laughs> so, so instead, we read we we did some reading, uh, but also so we surfed the internet. The, the, the we surfed so hard. Uh, my favorite video of the videos that I watched, and also the longest of the videos I watched, was called "The Role of States in Disaster Recovery." And both Lex and I 
really enjoyed this like it, how would you even describe this video it's like it was made by someone who's trying to get a grant application or go to congress and do lobbying it's like a lobbying video yeah that's a good question i don't know what the motivation is behind it i mean it's about it's from the coastal resilience center it has a lot of i find it very interesting because i Kind of have a sweet spot for local government. Go vote, everybody. Yes. Probably past the time anyway. Um, so it was interesting to see how these local officials were dealing with the disaster. But again, I'm not really sure what the motivation was for creating this. Um, I mean, it, see, it seems like something that I would watch at a conference. Like I go to a conference mm-hmm. and then like this is the half hour thing they're showing before the keynote speaker or something. Yeah, or maybe it's just like a... Hey, we did everything right. It was I mean, I, it's about Hurricane Katrina and Hurricane Floyd and how these two states, uh, North Carolina and Mississippi dealt with the disaster recovery. And so it's just like interviews and accounts of this. I don't know. If you're a public service nerd like I am, you would be interested in it. Otherwise, you would not be interested in it. No one would be interested in this other than nerds. It's also over a half an hour long. Exactly. If you are not a, a self-identified nerd, like if someone has just been like, you're a nerd, you're not going to like this. Mm-hmm. You have to be someone who's like, I like dry, like factual information mm-hmm. that is delivered to me in a very mundane way. Nightly business report, NPR <laughs> News Hour, <laughs> both that I love. I actually wouldn't usually, actually would usually be like, this is in Lexa's court of yeah. like, she likes these kind of dry facts, mm-hmm. but I could not stop watching it. Yeah. But you are very interested in this, you know, we're talking about na- uh, national disaster yep. recovery F, uh, organizations. This is talking about what you're interested in is the local stuff. So, you know, he said he has to call FEMA directly and get their help. And he had to call former President Clinton to get help. Um, So I think it was a good explanation of how the actual people in their state government are working to respond to disaster. For sure. Absolutely. And I think that they also did a really good job of talking about mistakes they made. Mm Mm-hmm. Like a lot of the things that, like one of the things that they pointed out were they that the the plan after disasters like this is that no plan that you make is extensive enough to cover whatever is going to be happening. So there's a lot of band aid fixing constantly, and it's a it's not let's all do this one thing. It's a like anything and everything, anything and everything that's kind of working. And they did talk about all of the times that they created kind of budgets and things that were all focused on this assumption of grants coming in Mm -hmm. that then Congress, like they would have an understanding they were coming, Congress would vote against them, (laughs) and then they would have to essentially re-rally all of the lobbying and language Mm -hmm. and everything around it because they're like, hey, this is just basic recovery. We're not trying to like make this the state back to what it was. We're just trying to get people in those basic five things you were just talking about. Mm-hmm. Food, water, shelter, mm-hmm. communication. Like PMA. PMA. We're trying to PMA them <laughs> <laughs> by making sure they're going to survive. 
But it, it was interesting in the fact that it seeing how I think that the discussion, like you said, I'm really interested on a state and local level, but I don't think that I thought that much about how much Congress affects. I mean, obviously, I hear on the news when the president declares a state of emergency in an area, but I didn't really understand what that meant so before. Then I think that means that. The agency like FEMA, right? It's, then, it, it enacts all of these national agencies. Yes, right. But you still have to. But so that's immediate, right? Five years later, right? Yes, you have to go find that extra funding, and that's what you have to ask. Either your, you know, the states don't have that kind of money. Like no state had enough money to respond to Hurricane Katrina, right? And but the crazy thing is, it's not even five years later; it's one year later. It's the when a, when the president says that there's a state of emergency, they release a certain amount of national agencies that go into action, and then the other thing is is a declaration to Congress to vote mm-hmm. on extra monies mm-hmm. being doled out to emergency situations. But when there's what do you do when there's eight emergency situations at the same time? Or there's no money. Or there's no money. You know, that is the... And then Congress has to have budgetary discussions where they're like, okay, funding now has to be taken away from somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And for whatever reason, they always want to cut things that are like the tiniest budget items anyway, Mm -hmm. instead of cutting from like the largest budget items. (laughs) Well, that was Donald Trump's whole comment about... Well, Puerto Rico, you've really done a number on our budget. We weren't expecting to have to pay for this. It's oh, right. Like, so, like, it's but it is really interesting to that's like. Anything. I don't think that I think that oftentimes, of course, now I've been reading about this a lot more this year than I ever have, and it's like an easy thing to kind of like uh, like I know this is generally happening, and so I don't really need to spend too much time focusing on the. Uh, specifics of it mm-hmm. kind of thing. Now I am paying attention and I'm like that is cr- like Congress should not be deciding that. There mm-hmm. should be someone who understands our government's finances to the point that they're like here's the backup plan for when we need billions of dollars in a natural disaster. Mm-hmm. But it's also this responsibility of the state to budget for those things. Like we know an earthquake is coming in Seattle. Where's the budget line for disaster relief? Right. I don't think there is one. Well, the, there, I really don't think there isn't. We looked, we we tried to look before we came on today, and you found the one thing that was about medical. Yeah, it was emergency medicine response, and so they give a report card for how prepared Washington is to respond. I guess more in a medical point of view. So, for access to emergency care, this is from 2014, not super current, but we got a it's um, pretty current. F. We get an F. Also, we're ranked in that as number 37 out of 51, the access to emergency care. There's this whole, so yeah, we. 37 out of 50. Yeah. We also scored an F on disaster preparedness, and they gave us a rank of 50 out of 50. I think that's on the lower end, not like. Yeah, not like you're doing so good, you're at the top of the heap. Like you're doing the worst out of everybody. Mm -hmm. And when you were reading about it, you saw that it's partially because it's not a line item Mm -hmm. in our budget. There's not a single line item that states this is for emergency medical care Mm -hmm. for a large-scale natural disaster. Yeah. Again, we, we said this is statewide, so maybe Seattle is maybe more prepared than the greater state. I think a lot of our state doesn't have access to medical care, so I could see where that gets maybe skewed in this 
one that's focused on medicine. Um, but Kevin anecdotally took that training on preparedness from a um, city maintenance, water maintenance point of view and said that California and Oregon has billions in budget to for like earthquake and disaster response and we have none. Zero. So we're going to need to fact check that, but these are two situations, you know, two examples where I would not be surprised because of the things that we're about to talk to if that is not a thing. And also our budget is terrible. Like mm-hmm. the state the state level budget that we currently like live off of is I mean we underfund every single part of well, it's funded by sales tax. Yeah. And property tax. Right. I know. Not income tax. Not income tax. So. We're going to have to march on Olympia coming up. Prep <laughs> yourself, podcast listeners. We need to let our grievances known. We need money for disaster yes. response. Also, Danny and I will donate the $20 that we earned at Starbucks. We did already say we were going to donate it, it, though, to Snap. I will match it. (laughs) I will also match another $20 right there. (laughs) But what I want, I only want to give my $20 if someone sends a funny slogan to put on a sign for when we march on Olympia. Okay. I like it. (laughs) So if someone sends a funny... Get your puns ready. Get your puns ready. Then I will make that sign... And give my $20 to the efforts, which will be buying the poster and the marker. <laughs> but <laughs> we're going to march. <laughs> we're marching. It's just Lex and I. Hello. <laughs> we need some prep money. We need some <laughs> prep money. The state's got to get saved. Don't despair. Prepare. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, Danielle, let's fall off your chair. <laughs> Uh, so maybe we could sell that jingle. Maybe we could sell that jingle. Oh no. So no, I don't know really where you go from there other than, uh, what we really wanted to convey was a little bit about the structure because especially, and we've lightly kind of discussed this as when we were talking about the flooding happening in Texas, There were a lot of people who were like, don't donate it to the Red Cross or, you know, FEMA should have been doing this or that, whatever. And we kind of wanted to go in and figure out for ourselves a little more about what these organizations' missions are and what they're trying to accomplish. And I don't think I really formed any opinions. I don't think my opinions changed no. Of what they are, as of like a better understanding of what they're actually doing and how it pertains to me personally. Mm-hmm. Like, where, what should I expect from these national organizations? Um, so, we're kind of looking in a larger area. We're not going to get into any of them really specifically, uh, but just kind of just so you know what we know now that we know some things. A few more things. So, that. The president's like, it's an emergency. And then they're they're like, duh. Like, oh my gosh, stuff's going bad. FEMA, which is the Federal Emergency Management Agency, comes in and they're like, hey, I'm down with helping some people. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We're like, cool. (laughs) Uh, I learned that FEMA is part of the Department of Homeland Security. Mm hmm. 
that happened in 2004, so they were a big part of disaster response for 9-11. And I learned that that is part of the Department of Interior. That is correct. Thank you. Which also oversees... That is correct. (laughs) (laughs) I'm taking off my shirt. (laughs) Uh, Which which, is what? The Department of Interior also oversees what other agencies? The FBI. Probably. I don't know. The Forest Service. Oh, really? Probably. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I think all the state lands fall under it. They oversee our wealth. Do they? I don't know. We had the website. (laughs) Good luck. Let's look at at what they have to say. So anyways, FEMA uh, is part of the Department of Homeland Security. And their job... Like what they are trying to do as a part of our government is know where everything is and how to move it to an area that's in need of it. So, for example, <laughs> it's uh, also houses the EPA, the EPA, yeah, Department of the Interior, FEMA, and the EPA. That's it. Those are the primary agencies. So, didn't the EPA get abolished last week or something? <laughs> I think it's been abolished every week since. <sighs> okay, let's not go there. So, FEMA, essentially, the way that I've been referencing FEMA is they're the ones who know a guy. Like, they're your buddy that the states call and they're like, hey, I need a guy who can fix dams. And they're like, oh, I know a guy who does that. Who does that? Who does that? Who does that? Here we go. (laughs) And then hopefully they know then how to transport the tools, the equipment, and the people there to help with that, depending on where something like that situation might fall in the scale of importance. Mm -hmm. And then how thinly stretched all of those things already are. So let's say we get hit with a super storm, crazy hurricane that hits five different states. Like, how do you decide who gets that one damn guy? Mm -hmm. (laughs) You like that? Did you just make, you didn't know you were going to do that? No. It was unintended, but I'm really excited. And I did notice immediately, so I paused so that you could appreciate my... Okay, tell me more about that damn guy. (laughs) Hopefully you have five damn guys. Awesome. Or like a thousand damn guys. But they have to have regular jobs while they're waiting for you to call them and be like, hey, I have an emergency situation. Mm -hmm. So these people are spread out doing all sorts of... Different things, and they don't necessarily work for FEMA or they're contractors. They're contractors, so they're just kind of trying to know where everybody, what everyone's number is. At the same time, they are housing large scale supplies such as like uh, porta potties and uh, emergency shelters, trailers, things like that, and then uh, have like a mobility plan to get them moving. What? Porta potties, Neko wafers. <laughs> they probably do. They probably have cases and cases and cases <laughs> of Neko wafers and butterscotches. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so they so they do have that part of things where they they have a plan to move those out, but they don't really move into action with those things until. The it has been designated as an emergency, and the state requests it. Like so, they leave it up to the state to kind of prioritize 
what it, what's the biggest need first? If they're like, hey, we have a list of five things, but you're going to have to pick what number one and two are. You know, they leave it up to the state to be like, hey, this is a hurricane. It's during a season where it's raining a lot. Shelter is, we need mm-hmm. shelter before we need garbage dealt with, you know, or whatever, you know, like whatever the thing is. Mm -hmm. Uh, For something like 9-11, it would be like our first priority is to have, is to rescue people. Mm -hmm. So the first thing we need is to get rescue relief. Rescue relief. I feel like FEMA does those big things like building dams, uh, other infrastructure stuff, public health safety things. But then there's all these other organizations, like we'll talk about the local level, religious organizations that handle garbage removal or Habitat for Humanity kind of for restoration sure. stuff. So I'm talking is about, FEMA yeah, just when focused I, on those big For the big, it's, they're big, giant issues. And when, yeah. I, when I bring up the garbage issues, sometimes the one of the things that it gets talked, there becomes oh, yeah. a level where, where those local organizations are helping collect it, but then there are to- other toxic things that they actually can't. Let's say in an earthquake situation, a waste plant, um, mm-hmm. like human waste yeah. plant, Gets Didn't we damaged. talk about this at the live one with Matt? We talked about someone oh, asked about our oh, garbage infrastructure for sure, and he, he talked about the immediate like pro- we're taking it to Magnuson, yeah. essentially. But what I'm talking about is sometimes waste, yeah. like sometimes there's a toxic element, so it might be I'm higher up on the list. Going in the Puget Sound, like it might be, and not even it going in the new. Let's say there's a nuclear plant here. And so a state might be like, hey, our number one priority is shelter for people, but our another, number two priority is to get whatever waste is coming out of this mm-hmm. situation to right. be stopped or whatever. She's like, that's depressing. Like, this looks like a... I'm out of tea, too. <laughs> so FEMA's looking at the giant things. And then, and it really has to do, I felt like just researching FEMA, it was more infrastructure yeah. things. yeah. Then you have not a government agency and more dealing with the medical side, which is the Red Cross. Mm -hmm. So I like the Red Cross because it does a lot of education and training prior to disaster. The prevention part is really big with Mm -hmm. them. FEMA promotes it. If you have the FEMA app, which you should, they have information there about how to prepare for disasters. What do you need? You know, what is the season? what's the flavor of the disaster that's coming up. They'll help you prepare for that. But Red Cross is really the one that does the CPR training, obviously, um, basic first aid kind of training, how to be first responders. There are several levels to go through where you can learn about how to help in a disaster. Um, and, and obviously they do like blood drives. Yeah. That would work be on a national one. level to accumulate medical-focused supplies. Mm-hmm. And stage them. Because they're going to need a lot of blood transfusions and emergencies. Right. From mass shootings to hurricanes. It's true. Uh, and and then, blood goes bad really fast, so they need a constant supply. Yeah. And, and then, plus the vampires need so it. So I... <laughs> true blood. Come on. I, I never you. watched it. So I'm back sorry. to you. Back okay. to you. And then the third major arm is relief. They also do work for vets and international work, but... Those are the three that we're really concerned with here. Um, so I had a an experience where I realized I need to get recertified for CPR. Uh, at work, someone came up to me and said, I think I'm having a heart attack. And I looked at them and I was like, what? And they're like, I think I'm having a heart attack. And they were clutching their chest. 
and they just said it was the worst pain that they've ever felt. They're sitting at their desk typing. All of a sudden, this gripping pain came on in the middle of their chest, and they'd never felt anything like it before, and came to me and said, I knew I could come to you. Like, she walked past my desk first, and I was like, something's not wrong with her, or something's not right with her. And then she came to me and told me, and I was like, okay, I think we should call 911. And she was like, no, I don't want to call 911. I was like, I think we should call 911. So then another co- coworker comes over and he's like, what's happening? I was like, she, th- she thinks she's having a heart attack. And he's like, okay, I think we should call 911. <laughs> I was like, why would we do anything else? If you it's think the first that thing that's we're programmed. Yep. And there was a lot of discussion after the fact that um, women have different kinds of symptoms than men. So we think of heart attack symptoms being that pain in the chest, the left arm, kind of being nauseous. There are additional things that can happen with women like it more frequently coming and going, um, different areas of pain that... That aren't associated with the heart. Like you think it's like you're by your stomach or something, but it really is where you're... Yeah. She was like, I don't want to call anyone. I was like, okay, let's Google it. And I went to the Red Cross Red Cross, heart attack. It had right there the symptoms, and there were enough there that I was like, we're calling 911. So we called 911, called the security desk. I knew. I couldn't find the security number, and I was so mad at myself because I was for sure thought that I put it in my address book, in my phone, and in my computer, but I couldn't find it like in an emergency like that. Now it is by my phone <laughs> on a Post-it. It is in my cell phone. So... Um, yeah, the paramedics came and checked her out and gave her some oxygen, and it turned out not to be um, a big deal. But you know, they said we don't think you're, you know, you're not. We don't think you're in dire need that you need to go to the hospital. You can if you want to, but if you're not in any pain anymore, you might be silly sitting there. But you do need to go checked out, get checked out by your doctor, and so. She did, and it's looking good. No heart attack, but you are so. It was, yeah. You're such a cool cookie. You're yeah. like, she was like, I knew I could come to you because prep yourself. <laughs> I was like, All right. And so then I went and I printed those symptoms from a heart attack, put them in my go bag because what if that happened, you know, in a disaster? Did you add it to your like weekly meeting? Like where usually you awkwardly are like, here's something from my thing. Yeah. Did you, were you like, hey, let's all talk about what a heart attack might look like? Uh, yes, kind of. We went uh, over the process for if an emergency happens, call one first, call the security desk immediately. Like we had that for snafu sure. where we couldn't really find it. So we were a little late calling the security guard. Right. But, um, you know, and having everybody should have the number. I think I'm probably the only one that wrote it down. Maybe not. I have, I have faith. People people are paying attention. Um, and I said, yeah, I went and I printed this out, printed this out so I've got this. Um, but, so. I mean, enough, being collected enough to be like, okay, I'm looking up the Red Cross site, and mm-hmm. now do you have this? Yeah. Do you have that? Like, mm-hmm. you're so good. Yeah, but I didn't want <laughs> – she was like, no, I'm going to feel so stupid if they come. I was like, I'm going to feel stupid if you drop dead right now. We're calling 911. <laughs> yeah, but in her situation, I would have said exactly the same thing. No, it's probably nothing. Which For sure. Which – is something that I think women do and a lot. Like, I, oh, I'm fine, I'm fine. Women are, it's so bad. Yeah. Like, with both heart attacks and strokes. Mm-hmm. Same thing. Yeah. They try to, and with the choking thing. Yeah. Where they try, people try and go and hide instead of, like, don't because they don't want to be embarrassed yeah. in public. Yeah. Or bother anyone. Yeah. Or have anyone, like, focus attention on them. What if we just all walked around knowing that everybody knew CPR, everybody knew the Heimlich maneuver? It wasn't a big deal. It's not a big deal. Yeah. Like, we all have our problems, for sure. So Red Cross does all this training for CPR and first aid, AED training. 
Uh, I don't know that we have an AED on our floor. Maybe we do. I have to check that out. I know where the fire extinguisher is. <laughs> You're um, like, I've blocked that. I got that. Yeah. Yeah. So you could just hit somebody with the fire extinguisher. <laughs> like in the chest and break yep. their sternum. Yeah. Rather not. Oh, I thought that that was like a good way to help somebody. <laughs> what kind of first aid class do you take? Yeah, for, I'm not going to touch them. You got to get it like a foreign object that you don't know how much pressure you're putting on. Uh, what's the Queen song that they tell you to do chest compressions to? Oh, I do Staying Alive. You do Staying Alive? Uh, no. Uh, uh, staying Alive, Staying Alive. Not that fast. Um, okay, awesome. so then, yeah, they That's, provide the relief effort too. So there, you know, I I think that when people talk about like the Red Cross doesn't, you know, put, you know, don't give them money because the money doesn't get back to the people who, you know, need it. I'm kind of like, yeah, but they are like all of the things. They're the only ones who are preemptively Mm -hmm. trying to make sure that people are are able to be helped, you know, Mm -hmm. by people on the ground locally. And also... I'm sorry, but they have to pay people salaries so that they are becoming experts at these things so that there is someone who is researching the best way to do these things. There's someone who is making those phone calls and who are they, – they have to have storage facilities for blood. Mm-hmm. Like what does that look like? Yeah. You know, All of like, the clinics that they run. Like when you talk about overhead – like I would, I hope that when people are talk, looking at percentages that go back to the actual disaster victims, that they're also taking into consideration all that overhead has a much wider spread meaning than just the like I have ten dollars and now this I'm buying ten dollars worth of apples and now those apples are going to people. Mm-hmm. Like that's a hundred percent of my donation went to the people. But, like, if there's no one there to make sure my apples are packaged and then transported and then given to the person, then that was a useless $10 I spent Mm -hmm. because they just rotted somewhere between my house and (laughs) getting to the disaster. Because the disaster is far away from me. It's not close. Always. There's never a disaster that's (laughs) going to happen within my vicinity. That's why I do all this prepping. Yeah. So I can always be like, I'm prepared. I'm prepared. I'm Whatever. ready. Whatever. <laughs> Please do not send any kind of terrible disaster towards me if there is some being that we might have made up fun of earlier. Um, we just did it. So, so Red Cross, like, what did you in your reading? Did you find out anything new, or did you did your opinions kind of? Um, no, I mean, I think people think about the Red Cross obviously for the blood, but it's more than blood and a relief effort. Oh, for sure, they're going to. Um, hand out food. What's a better word than hand out? Distribute. Distribute. They're going yeah. to distribute food, uh, medical supplies, insulin. That's a huge thing. Oh my insulin gosh! How like, many people you can't survive without it? Like you can't a day. I mean, depending on how severe it is. So there are some real things that they do beyond just giving blood or waiting around for someone to have a heart attack. Yep. Lots of things. I think the classes beforehand are probably the biggest contributing thing yeah. to me that I am like, if you're not counting that in, then you're a dumb dumb. Mm-hmm. But they have tons of volunteers too. That's um, what a great thing that a huge organization like that does. 
so they can have a lot of volunteers. Who's going to coordinate those volunteers? Who's going to coordinate them? Who's going to make sure they're trained? Yeah. Who's going to have established a communications plan with them? Everyone I know who's working for a relief organization now has um, Peace Corps experience. Oh, that's, yeah. So when you say, you know, experience or somehow trained, they have experience living for one You have to live in these conditions. You go there and volunteer, and you're living in a trailer with 50 other people or 200 people in a gym. Um, So you have experience, like, really roughing it. And then, you know, having good PMA, because you're there for two years in Peace Corps, you know, you have to put up with a lot of stuff. (laughs) (laughs) You have to pretty much relearn Mm -hmm. your life and dispel any kind of comfort level. Yeah. So I think that's where... I don't know. I guess that's a good prereq for being a volunteer for this. For sure. So I I am pro Red Cross. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pro FEMA, knowing what the hell is going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but honestly, both FEMA and the Red Cross, uh, when you go to their websites and look specifically at what they recommend as far as disaster preparedness, both of them list being personally self-reliant mm-hmm. as the first step to disaster preparedness. So yeah. you being able to take care of yourself first. Like if you're going to look at an individual plan. You have to survive whatever the disaster was in order for them to provide help with you. <laughs> help to you. That's just the way it is. They can't bring you back from the dead. Different. They don't have any kind of like zombie cures. <laughs> like oh my they, gosh. I just saw on their website, 90% of their workforce is volunteer. For Red Cross? Yeah. Wow. That doesn't surprise me. Cool. Yeah, uh, but you need to prep first. You have to prep first. And that's part of why their mission with the Red Cross is uh, partially focused on that, giving people classes. Mm-hmm. The more people that know how to do first aid, the more people that know how to do CPR, the more people that can be saved just in the immediate aftermath of things happening. Because just like when they talk about heart attacks or when someone's choking or anything like that, those first minutes are what save their lives. Not three days later when somebody shows up. It's the first minute. So Mm -hmm. go take your classes, people. Yeah. So then the next kind of... Did you want to say anything else about Red Cross? So then third, so we were mostly looking at national. We were trying to look at national relief programs and really who is doing these. And I'm sure that after we do this episode, a lot of people are going to come and be like, what about this? And what about that? And what about all these other people? There's a whole list. I mean, there are hundreds. The National Guard is a huge part of disaster response, but really that falls under FEMA. FEMA Mm -hmm. helps organize the National Guard Mm -hmm. to come in. Also, the state level, that's the the state's first um, tool in disaster relief is to have the uh, their National Guard. And that's a lot of training that is done in the National Guard is about how they are going to disperse any kind of tools, equipment, and, and uh, people that they have available. So, of course, that is all happening. But it's churches. Yeah. The third biggest group, which when we say third biggest group, this group is comprised of hundreds of different church organizations. And we also didn't do any math to come up with that statistic. (laughs) Zero math. No math. It just seemed like a lot of the links I clicked on was like, oh, a Christian mission. Right. Uh, Of all kinds. Volunteers of America, I didn't know, was a Christian organization. 
Oh, I didn't know that Volunteers of America is a Christian organization. Mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't surprise me. I mean, one of the things that is great about religious organizations in general are that there's usually an element of giving back into society. And value, community value. Community value that's placed upon it. So not only helping each other, so being ready to help each other in a dangerous situation. And when I say each other, it might not be like their personal congregation, but they're like, I'm a Baptist, we're going to help all the Baptists. No. You know, world over. You know, like it. it's being able to contribute in general to society while they're also being prepared to, like, mm-hmm. we can help our Some do have parents. missions that they primarily focus on the sick or those who are uh, the sick or disabled. People sure. who really can't help themselves as much because y'all should be prepping if you can. So, And if you're not, no sympathy. Just kidding. Come over. <laughs> um, yeah, so... Uh, Lex is and ready. you have to realize, you know, churches are in every community, so they've got... Oh my God, that huge mega church in Houston, they got so much backlash for not opening their doors and letting people come into the church. Yeah. And I saw it from both sides that they, people, the people who were coming back against the critics were saying, well, they're not prepared to just let 500 people in and, or it's 3,000 people seated. That doesn't mean people in shelter. And it's like, well, I know that so many Christian organizations do prepare for that. They are ready to open their doors and house these people, and they're ready for that. So why wasn't this mega church ready like that? Right. Like, it was uh, a little disconcerting, but most do. I think churches in your area are going to either have supplies or be a location for people to come if they need help, or that's where they mobilize their local disaster response unit. Or on a national level, those churches have a distribution method of taking the tithes and things that are supplied through churches that are not close to the disaster. In the immediate aftermath, money is so important because you can say, okay, all of this is happening in um, Houston. We can get money to Dallas and get them get supplies bought and moved out of Dallas, you know, like yeah. or whatever. Yeah, like just the just the fact that they can move money around so quickly, um, and then it's also the group kitchens. Oh, so yeah. many churches have point. kitchens where they can essentially just pop up catering services. There's also in the um, FEMA org chart there is a center, a DHS center for faith based neighborhood partnerships. And so there is a dotted line to the administrator of FEMA. Right. That's so interesting. For faith-based organizations. Yeah. And I, I think DHS, Department of Homeland Security. Yeah. yeah. So they're they're hooked into the government. I guess I'm not mad about that. Not separation <laughs> of church and state. <laughs> Shrug shoulders. Well, Love they do off. get tax breaks yeah. for being, you know, charitable, <laughs> right? A charitable organization. <laughs> so uh but it is amazing that you know during these times when they were like don't give your money to the red cross Mm -hmm. like give it to your you know the local churches and stuff like it even all of the government you know all of these articles and stuff that talk about disaster relief and even the government you talking about them being a line item acknowledges the fact that they are a part of the system Mm -hmm. like they're a part of the anything and everything yeah and so I think that that's really cool. 
I look forward to working side by side with them. <laughs> Whomever they may be. What if it's like the Church of Satan? I mean, are they helping? Yeah. They're sure. They're disaster relieving. Sure. Of course. But it's like a person in a Satan costume. Maybe I'll put mine on too. I don't know. <laughs> but like the funny devil one. I'll dress like an angel and then we'll have like a little shtick. <laughs> I'm imagining you like digging rubble or something. Like <laughs> this is what's happening in my head. So then on a more local kind of standpoint with this kind of discussion. So once again, if you go back to episode 13 and we talked about the city of Seattle having the Shiva, uh, which is the document that kind of talks about all of the disasters that are most likely to happen within Seattle and then ha- what the current kind of plan, overarching plan is for those things. Uh, Office of Emergency Management is kind of like our local FEMA, if you want to relate it kind of in design. They're the ones who have the guy's phone number. They're not going to show up at your house with like supplies. They are going to call a dude that has some supplies and be like, hey, this is where you should be dispatching those supplies kind of thing. So they have like a general plan and a way to execute that. And then it's like we talked about before, the f- you have to be prepared for yourself. <laughs> And then <laughs> someone might come along to help you. Probably not. But probably not. How Maybe many times two weeks have we later. said that on this podcast? Like, you need to get prepared. <laughs> <laughs> and we're saying it to each other, yeah. by the way. Yeah. When we say you need to get prepared. No, you need to get prepared. No, you need to get prepared. Somebody's got to. <laughs> it's going to be pretty a pretty big mess. So you need to get prepared. You need to be a part of your neighborhood solution and helping with that because again if you're the one having the heart attack don't you hope that your neighbor (laughs) comes to be like oh you're having a heart attack because there's a huge earthquake right now so i'm gonna give you some cpr it'll be cool it'll be fine hopefully i'll keep you alive so scary isn't it scary yeah we're not here to freak you out i mean we freak ourselves out this is our Halloween episode. <laughs> a week after Halloween. <laughs> is there anything else we want to say about this? No, I think we pretty much said get yourself prepared. <laughs> get yourself prepared. You can't rely on anyone. Yeah. And also, a thing that I've said several times this week to people... Everyone's just making everything up all the time. Yes. When we talk about people having a plan, at any moment they might be like, "This plan's medium, but it's the only, it's like what we got." It's what I got. <laughs> like, yeah. I think of all the things I haven't done, and I get stressed about it. And then I go, "Just do one thing." And so then I'll just go do one thing. I'm like, "Okay, I feel better." I. I'm stressed out still. I told Leaf this yesterday. I still haven't put shoes under the bed. Oh, and I'm, I think I did, but I moved them. Yeah. Damn it. <laughs> like, it bothers me ever since we put it on our little, like, nine just things to tonight. do tonight. Like, it, seriously, I'm like, why can't I just put some shoes under the bed? <laughs> and also this thing happening with your, in Portland. Like, yes. Like, the lights go out, and this is the whole reason you put the shoes under the bed, people. The lights go out. There's an earthquake happening. 
you're not thinking straight. You need to go. You need to get out into the street. I mean, if there's an earthquake happening, you should be ducking under a thing. But let's say you got to get out in the street. Your house is burning down because you were having a romantic candlelit dinner <laughs> and then caught something on fire. Every night. And you didn't know where the fire extinguisher was. This would never happen at Lex's house. No. But someone like, didn't know that. Never happened. You have to run out of the house. Just knowing where those things are. Yeah. Like without having to think about it. Mm-hmm. Just put them in a little box. And also every time people talk about sleeping naked, I'm like... <laughs> I'm like, I hope you're not pausing to put clothes on oh, while your geez. house is burning down. That's so funny. So... I think just to, yeah, I think just to wrap it all up, I think it is kind of, if your expectation is that, like, I'm not going to do any work because someone's going to show up to save me because I live in a society where everything is instantaneous and it just happens real fast, that's not what's going to happen. That's not what their website said, at least. <laughs> their website. Every, every website, article, video. It ends with... You should prepare ahead of time. <laughs> you should have a plan. We know you're not going to, but you should. But imagine if you did. <laughs> Can you imagine all the meetings where they're like, where you were just like, imagine a world. Yeah. <laughs> this is the dawning of the age of preparedness. Age of preparedness. 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 Sorry, we had to do that to you guys. I think that's the new song. (laughs) (laughs) So whoever is paying for these jingles, if you just give us a call and let us know which one you like the best, we're happy to record them in a more formal environment. All lines are open. Just call anytime. We are going to need a butterscotch. (laughs) (laughs) Another cup of tea. For our throats. Uh, so we're thinking for our next episode, we're going to try and hit a little bit more on the winter because now we've very oddly, <laughs> yeah, had the very beginning of November already have snow. Uh, we want to just go ahead and put out some information for people, maybe make our own car kits Yeah. before our next episode so we can yeah. talk about what we decided fits. Because I think we're both very busy people. So yeah. we're not trying to fill up our whole trunk <laughs> with like bullshit. Lulu would care. <laughs> Lulu's like, so where am I supposed to ride? <laughs> like, just get on that flat of water over there. You're going to like all of a sudden go out and Mike's going to have built like a false bottom to the car. So there's like a whole layer. Where I just there's have just, a trailer. There's just a, there's just a trailer. <laughs> a trailer ever I go. <laughs> like, I'm a prepper. <laughs> it's cool. Anytime. I'm ready to go. Uh, so yeah, we're going to talk a little bit more about that. And so maybe we can try and get that together. And then, um, you have, we're going to also try another new thing. Speaking of, uh, organizations that help in disaster relief, I have a friend named Dan working for Project Hope, and I think it might work out that we can do an interview with him about his experiences currently in Puerto Rico as part of their disaster relief. So Project Hope helps with mainly kids and, uh, um, distributing medications. Oh, that's cool. Um, Yeah, so I would love to talk with him about his boots-on-the-ground experience. So I'll have to get all technological and figure out how to interview him from afar. But um, While she's doing that, I'll be be watching the day after tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. funny. You'll be like, oh, I finally figured out technology, and I'll be like, 
You've done wonderful yeah. work. I was like, and I also wrote two papers, and I fed Lily and gave her a bath, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that sounds yeah. amazing. This movie's really good. I, this Joe movie's great. Is I got so a cute. back massage. I made up a new cocktail recipe. Oh, awesome! <laughs> also dying. <laughs> Sick. Yep, that's why I haven't touched anyone in your family since I've been here. Oh. I hugged you. You have germs. I'm going to hug you again. We side hugged. I'm over it. I just sound really sexy now. <laughs> you mean you sound like my 50-year-old <laughs> smoker voice that I've had since I was like 12? Yeah. Yeah. I just want to be like you. Oh, I want to be like you. <laughs> All right, everybody. <laughs> All right, everybody. Slowly but surely. Keep surviving. I love you. I love all of you. (laughs)